Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. It would... One of the foundation ones that I recognise as problematic for everyone is simply the notion that advisors know what they're talking about. They don't. They don't have a clue. Think, think of it this way. You would never go to a surgeon who killed every patient. But once you've gone to a fund manager, you've effectively gone to a surgeon who has killed every patient. Now, not, not, not literally, but metaphorically, think about this. If, if the average person is represented in terms of health by the return that the market generates and death is represented by underperforming the market, every fund manager that you'll run, come across has killed their patients <laughs> because they've all underperformed the market. Hi, it's journalist Caroline Stephen. Today on Talking Trading, we keep delving into the trading genius freaky mind of Chris Tate and ask him more burning questions on trading. And Louise Bedford today in Mind Power shares five things that she would do from scratch if she had to start trading again. Here she is. In an interview recently, I was asked what I would do if I had to start from scratch. In fact, it's amazing how often I am asked that same question. So I thought I'd do a quick little mind power for you while I'm waiting for Chris Tate to meet me for lunch. Chris Tate and I meet quite a few times a week for a cuppa or for lunch to talk about life. It's quite amazing how the support of an unreasonable friend can help you with your own goals. Now, if I had to start from scratch, what I'd do firstly is I would work out why I wanted to trade. Working out your objectives as a trader, that golden thread to pull you on when you're feeling overwhelmed, that is such a key. And in fact, often Chris Tate and I, in our mental program, we can determine the success of a trader based on how clearly they have defined their why, why they want to trade, how that will fit in with their life, the goals that they want to achieve. All of that comes under the banner of objectives. I would then read some books. I would find a mentor. I would seek out success stories. I would do something to inspire my trader's soul so that I could move forward in my chosen trading career, as well as develop the technical skills required in order to trade effectively. Now, a trading plan requires you to have a trading system, and a lot of people don't differentiate between those two topics. A trading system gives you your entry, your exit, and your position sizing rules. 
whereas a trading plan is your business plan. It's what to do with your trades when you go on holidays, how you will handle a string of losses, what markets you will intend to delve. Now, they are two separate things, but reading books, finding a mentor and developing some friendships with people who already have the rungs on the board can help you accomplish in those two areas. The other thing I would do is put my head down and study, study, study. A lot of the time people try to shortcut this process without relying on those who have already created the shortcuts to guide them. If you study your head off and work your way through this trading jungle, you'll come out into the trading sunlight and it will seem so much clearer. But without that deep introspective thought, you will not come up with the right answers. I'd also back my guesses about how to trade with real money. I think a lot of people get stuck on the paper trading bandwagon where they are writing down trades, binning the ones that don't work out and imagining that they are a trading superstar because their paper trading is spectacular. I didn't even realise paper trading was possible when I started trading. I put a bit of money in and I learned very quickly. You will learn faster with real money than you ever will on paper. Also, starting from scratch, I would self-monitor. This is something I did not do enough of when I started out. I didn't realise there was so much wisdom to be gained in the trades that I did not take. I just looked at the trades that I did take. The ones that I didn't take had a whole new story to be able to relate to me and I'd ignored those for the, quite a few years when I started trading. The other thing I would do is when I made a reasonable profit, I would take a partial bit of that profit and nourish my soul in some way. You see, I think I've got that tendency to work, work, work and to forget to reward myself and sometimes I need to be reminded that it's important to reward my subconscious, to give me energy to keep going. What I would not do is overcomplicate everything and I wouldn't rush into trading FX, commodities, CFDs, options, every type of trading instrument all at once. Take note of your progress. Trade one thing to begin with and once you develop skill, trade one or two other things. Often I mentor my traders to trade three trading instruments and trade them proficiently really immerse themselves into those three instruments because if one isn't trending they won't be tempted to force the trade and to delve into an area where perhaps they shouldn't have really gone into in the first place. Maybe there wasn't an appropriate signal, maybe there wasn't the right conditions to be able to trade that particular event. If you've got three trading instruments, you will never be short of an opportunity and you'll always be nimble enough to be able to move your money from side to side depending on where that opportunity is for you. So I guess it, it could be considered a little bit disappointing because all of these things sound like common sense. The thing is, common sense isn't all that common. So if you're starting from scratch, heed my words. It's simpler than you think. To get going but make sure you're following the advice of a trusted mentor so that they can help you shortcut your process.
Hi, I'm Perry Kaufman, and I enjoy listening to Caroline on TalkingTrading.com. It's always a pleasure. Don't you deserve top trading results? You bet you do. And the way to get them is to get involved with our Trading Game Mentor Program. It's a six-month repeat-for-free course. We'll teach you to become a superb trader across every time frame with every instrument. You're going to want the free resources that we're releasing. Go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. That website again, tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Not only will you learn more about the Trading Game Mentor Program, but you'll get a whole heap of free trading goodies as well. Now we delve back into Chris Tate's mind with some more burning trading questions. Here he is. Who are the people who have been most influential to you? Another good question. In that they they probably have to be segmented by points of time in your life. If we pick the last two decades and a bit, it would be my business partner simply because she convinced me to come out from under my rock. And hence I'm here, sitting here talking to you 20 decades later uh, because otherwise I'd be happily ensconced in just doing my own thing, not really being out in the public eye. It's not, it's not my thing. So uh, thanks to Louise, she got you away from your rock and you talk to us now. Yeah, blame her. She's entirely to blame. I blame her for everything, actually. It's a, it's a handy default to vault position. You need to find somebody you can blame for everything. What's one myth about your trading in the share market that you want to debunk? That's a good question. It, it would be... Okay, there's, there's probably a few. It would... One, one of the foundation ones that... I recognise as problematic for everyone is simply the notion that advisors know what they're talking about. They don't. They don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Think, think of it this way. You would never go to a surgeon who killed every patient. But once you've gone to a fund manager, you've effectively gone to a surgeon who has killed every patient. Now, not, not, not literally, but metaphorically, think about this. If, if the average person is represented in terms of health by the return that the market generates and death is represented by underperforming the market, every fund manager that you'll run, come across has killed their patients <laughs> because they've all underperformed the market. Surely if you knew what you were doing, you would outperform the market, you would have positive alpha, but they don't. And what is intriguing about it is they're not even embarrassed you should be enormously embarrassed by the fact that you take a vast salary, and their salaries are vast, for being mediocre. Mm. And to, you know, if I wanted to steal from Winston Churchill, that never in the history of human endeavour have so many paid so much to so few for so friggin' little. And it is no wonder the index funds are so popular. Because the moment, for example, if you have superannuation here in Australia, on average, the moment you move from your fund to an index fund, your performance doubles. 
average performance of fund managers is so poor. And the intriguing thing is that people believe that stockbrokers know what they're talking about. By and large, they don't. By and large, they're pushing their own book. Instrumentalities they're involved in in some way, corporate, personally, whatever. It's not this capacity to sit back and go, you know what? Market's stuffed. I don't think you should do anything for six months. Mm. They can't do that. They go broke mm. because they're caught, they're caught in a moral hazard. And the moral hazard is that the remuneration is linked to turnover, not profitability. And so you're always going to get that tension between the two. And humans being humans, guess which one wins? Money. It's not doing the right thing. It's, and, and, and broking used to attract a certain sort of personality because the amount of money pre-deregulation was so extreme. But when we had fixed commissions, I mean, commissions used to start at 2.5%. And that was fixed, but it was fixed against minimum order of $110, $120 and an order fee of $15 and stamp duty. I'm now transacting for literally, well, you shouldn't say nothing because that's not correct, but it is figuratively nothing. Mm -hmm. The transaction costs are frictionless. Uh, so they, they have to be the way they are. What does freedom mean to you? Time. To do what? It's always time anything. It's simply time. One of the things that catches people is that their time is not their own. And one of the things that is, has been intriguing about the lockdown in COVID and here in Melbourne, when lockdown 2.0, is that people have realised that their time is not their own. Their lives are controlled by someone else. When, when, you, when they look at mental health in athletes, they find athletes thrive on a series of criteria. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. They do their own thing. They set about learning their skill and they have a purpose for that skill. Lockdown's removed that for athletes. It's also removed it for everybody else because people have realised it's brought home to them they don't have autonomy. If your business shuts and you're an employee of that business, well, to use a technical term, you're stuffed. You don't have autonomy. You don't have control over what you do or your time. So when, when people say to you, right, you're not working now for the next six weeks, you're on your own, all of a sudden you've inherited time and you've got no idea what to do with it because you don't understand how to generate your own autonomy to control your own time. Freedom for me is time. My freedom is still well beyond what other people's is. And when lockdown's over, it's orders of magnitude beyond what people do. Get up when I want, do what I want during the day, all, all things people wish they could do. You say time, but you also say purpose a lot. You, you've got to have some idea of where you're going. Otherwise, your life is wasted on you. And I saw a, a fascinating TED talk by an American paramedic who was talking about death because he worked in a neighbourhood where there was a lot of extreme violence. And he was talking about the fact that when he would attend something like a shooting and someone was clearly dying, that they would say to him, 
am I, am I going to be all right? And he would say yes. And then he realized that that was the wrong thing to do because they weren't. They were going to die. And people realized that they were going to die. It seems to be a thing we have. You know. When you've suffered a catastrophic injury, and so he started telling people, look, you are going to die, but I'm here. And the the thing they almost all said was, I thought there'd be more time. Mm. People waste their time. Mm. They waste it in crap relationships, crap jobs, crap suburbs, crap environment. You know, people talk about, oh, when I, when I retire, I'll go to Italy. When I go now, while you're physically able of getting up and down all the friggin' steps they have, because Italy is the land of steps. And people who can't drive and can't park either. But that's just the way it is. They're very glamorous while not being able to do any of those things. Okay, so here in my shoes at the end of 30 minutes of talking to you, what question would you ask you that I haven't asked you yet? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. That's a that's such a powerful question. I don't really have a decent answer. How many push-ups can you do? Shape, in any way, shape or form. Quite a few, actually, because I did quite a few this morning. <laughs> this, this, this morning was squat press day. It's a very unpleasant day. It's an awful day, Mondays. And it's one of those things that I can guarantee you, the moment we stop speaking, I'll go, should have been that. Because that's the way the world works. I'll ask you next time. Don't worry. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) CT, thanks for your time. Thanks, Caroline. That's all this week. Stay tuned next week to hear about gold from investor Mike Mangan. Very interesting guy. I'm Caroline Stephen. Enjoy your week trading. Take care. Stay safe, especially those down in Victoria. We'll see you next week. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.